The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Feeling fresh, feeling sexy, feeling hot, feeling spicy. So is Michael. Cuz Woo More Play just launched their latest product. As you guys know, I'm a partner with Woo, and tons of you have tried the coconut oil lube. It's the best lube on the planet. You can eat it, lick it, suck it, fuck it. We've discussed this multiple times before, but this is the new launch, okay? The freshies have dropped. They're a natural, fresh towelette made with organic cranberry, aloe vera, vanilla, and coconut water. So you can clean up. You could clean up before. You could clean up after. There's there's lots of circumstances here. Say you wanted to go out for a night on the town. You know what I mean, Michael Bostic. You go out. You have a one-night stand, but you didn't have time to take a shower. All you have to do is grab your freshie out of your purse Go to the bathroom, do your business, use your wipe. It's all natural, organic, has a little cranberry in there. Uh, And uh, then you're good to go. Things are going to smell and taste delicious. Or you can use it post-sex, okay? This is another plus. Say you just had sex and you got to go. It's always the girl on the go, right? I feel like that's always who we're talking to. The girl who's got to go. Use your wipe and you're golden. I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. As you know, I had a little UTI problem. I was prone to UTIs all the time. Every time I had sex, I tried everything. And the only thing that worked was coconut oil. So that turned into Woo Lube and now the Freshies. So the Freshies have organic cranberry in them, which is amazing for preventing UTIs. You're going to get all delicious ingredients. They're all natural, like I said, and organic. I know you guys are all going to want to try these amazing, delicious coconutty wipes. So all you have to do is go to woomoreplay.com. That's W-O-O-M-O-R-E-P-L-A-Y.com and use promo code SKINNY20 for 20% off. Guys, I also want to say these fit in your purse. They're so cute and they come in this vintage cigarette box that is so chic. Again, that's woomoreplay.com, promo code SKINNY20. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostic are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha. It's my body, it's my choice, and it's my rules. Nobody has a right to tell me what I can or what I cannot do out of my own free will and choice. This was a meaningful way for me to touch lives one by one by one and make change happen that enriches and betters lives. For other women, they're here for different goals. Some may be here to support their families. Others might be paying for their college education. Still others are saving up for retirement. There's any number of reasons why somebody would choose to be a legal sex worker. But it certainly isn't from a place of desperation. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Skinny Confidential Him and Her Show. That clip was from our guest, Alice Little. Alice is America's highest paid legal sex worker. And on today's episode, we are breaking down myths, stigmas, and assumptions all around the legal sex worker profession. Alice is going to give us a first-person perspective on the experience and life of a legal sex worker. For those of you who are new to the show, my name is Michael Bostic. I am a serial entrepreneur and brand builder, most recently the CEO of the Dear Media Podcast Network and the co-host of this show. And sitting across from me, 
You want a little drum roll? Are you going to introduce yourself? Get, get, get no, out. Jump I'm in, waiting jump in. for a good adjective. Listen, jump on in. Lauren. You didn't do your homework. I'm the CEO of Michael's Life, Lauren Everts. <laughs> no, I'm the CEO of The Skinny Confidential, a blog, a brand, a podcast, obviously. And today I am so excited to do this podcast. I just feel like there has been such a tabooness around legal sex work and sex work in general. And I, with my platform, have always wanted to go head on with those taboos. So to be able to bring someone as smart and savvy as Alice Little on our podcast and showcase her side of the story is just sort of amazing. If you have children in the car or in the area or wherever you're listening to this, please be forewarned that this episode, like many of our other episodes, contains a lot of adult content. You've been warned. Don't write in. Don't DM me about it. Don't write a mean review complaining about it. We're giving you the warning right now. Many of you may be familiar with The Bunny Ranch, which is where we recorded this podcast. If you remember the hit HBO show Cat House back in the day. And if you just said Bunny Ranch and your husband or boyfriend sitting next to you, look at them right now to see what their reaction is. Well, a lot of us grew up watching the show, Lauren, so maybe that's their experience with Dennis Hoff, all the lovely ladies and people that went in and out of the Bunny Ranch. So this was, you know, Lauren and I are never one to shy away from going into areas that we're curious about and that we don't know a lot about. And I think that's what um, has made this show interesting for us. And I think that's what our, our audience has come to expect. So for this particular episode, we actually flew all the way out to Reno, Nevada. Then we rented a car and drove all the way out to the Bunny Ranch and spent the day with Alice at the Bunny Ranch, getting a full tour and then ending it obviously with a full interview with her. Let's talk about the tour. I want to go through like the whole situation. So we arrived, there's this huge sign. This is Reno, Nevada. This isn't you know, this isn't Las Vegas. So if you're thinking Las Vegas, no, we had to drive an hour. We get there. There's a huge sign that says Bunny Ranch. It was really cute and fit with my Instagram aesthetic. Then we drive in and there's all these little signs that say bunnies at play, which I thought was really cute for branding. And then you get there and it's this big, huge ranch and you park and you walk in and it's kind of like a darker entryway with all different pictures of all kinds of celebrities. Everyone from Chelsea Handler to Kim Kardashian to um, Conan O'Brien, just everyone. Flavor Flav, Flav uh, Jeremy. Flavor Flav got creepy there, I bet. <laughs> um, so anyways, the owner, what, who was the owner, Dennis Hoff, passed away, and he is in the photos with all these different celebrities. And you walk in, and it has this really cute neon sign that I wanted to steal. Um, I think it says the bunny bar. Well, we're going to put it up. There'll, there'll be a picture that I'm going to post the day that this goes live, because we took a picture under it. Oh, you, you So like, everybody go to my Instagram. Like get, that, yeah. Hit the follow button. Yeah, Michael's really upset that no one DMs him. Yeah, at, everyone's always DMing you. At Michael Bostick. That's fine. So anyways, I had to look at every detail, of course. So first I went to the bathroom and the bathroom is called the uh, the pussy powder. What's it called? I don't know. And I'm going to butcher it, but it was Alice. What was it called? It was called the um, Alice isn't here anymore. So no, but Alice will Alice will send me a picture of it. So I, I think it was like the pussy powder room and it's the color. It's like a pink, but it's the color of a vagina. And then across from the pussy powder room is the hooker booker. And that, that's what it's called. It's called the hooker booker. And it says it on, on the door. And that is the madam who books the situation. I went back and did a deep dive on everything having to do with the bunny ranch because I just get really interested and obsessed with things. And I love biographies. I downloaded The Art of the Pimp by Dennis Hoff and I could not put it down. It's like a thousand page book. And it is so interesting if you guys are looking for a So after read. listening to this, go check that out. Um, one last thing I want to clarify before we introduce Alice. This is 
is legal sex work in Nevada. It's one of the only states that allow this. You have to be on the premises of a property like the Bunny Ranch to participate in legal sex work. So don't get confused if you're in another state. And with that, let's introduce Alice Little. Alice Little is an Irish legal sex worker. She gained attention in 2017 after she wrote an article called A Week as a Legal Sex Worker. She was also on Tim Ferriss' podcast, which is major. With that, let's welcome smart and savvy Alice Little to the show. Before we hear from Alice, I want to talk to you about my ride or die Thrive Market. First of all, if you have not tried the fiber gummies, they're like these gummy bears from Thrive Market. You are missing out on life. They have sour. They have Swedish fish. They have peachy rings. They even have fruity gummy bears. They taste exactly like gummy bears, and they're filled with 28 grams of fiber. And Thrive Markets honestly saved our marriage. (laughs) I'll tell you why, Lauren. This week, I was hungry. I was looking for snacks. And lo and behold, I found all my favorite pretzels that you get from Thrive Market. I had the candies. I had the beef jerky. We had a little bit of wine. All stuff that you didn't have to lift a finger for at the store. You ordered it directly on Thrive based on the links I sent you. And boom, they're there. So if you're in a relationship and you want to keep your significant other happy, make a li- have them make a list on Thrive of the items that they like. And boom, right at your door, 25 to 50% below retail. They have beauty supplies, household supplies, health supplies, food supplies, cleaning supplies, wine, wine, organic wine, meat, poultry. And the best part is you can shop everything by diet, whether you're gluten-free, paleo, vegetarian, new mother, whatever you are, they take all the the legwork out of it, set all these different pages up, all these different systems so that you can just shop easily, know you're getting the best prices, 25 to 50% below retail, and also know that all the ingredients have already been sourced by them so you know you're getting the best stuff. And honestly, it takes so long to go to the grocery store. What they're also selling is time. Time is so important to be able to Go on Thrive Market and click a couple buttons and just get everything in your cart and you're stocked and ready is efficient. Plus, it is inexpensive, guys. Like, honestly, the prices are insane. And we're going to make it even less expensive for you to try Thrive Market and receive 25% off your first order and free shipping. Go to thrivemarket.com slash skinny. Again, that's thrivemarket.com slash skinny for 25% off your first order and free shipping. And when you sign up at that link, you'll be taken to Lauren's curated page that shows all of our favorites. Enjoy thrivemarket.com slash skinny. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. All right, guys. This is uh this is exciting. It's, it's rare that Lauren and I travel out of state. Actually, get on a plane, travel out of state, then get on a car in a car to come to a location to podcast. We are at the infamous Bunny Ranch in Reno, Nevada, with Alice Little. Alice, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm so excited that you guys came on out here. Can we move in? Like, I'm ready to move in. Not a problem. We can be roommates. Is there a Barbie-themed room? There isn't one yet, but we may have to change that. Yeah. I need a Barbie theme like a pink dreamland, and I'm good. Never say never. (laughs) (laughs) So can you start and give us a little bit of background going even back to your childhood on you? Oh, goodness. Well, I have a very interesting way in that I was raised. I was born in Ireland and grew up on my grandmother's farm for the first five years, surrounded by horses, apple trees, and more cousins than I knew what to do with. Irish family, Roman Irish Catholic, so I have around 
2,500 cousins all in all. So there was about a million kids running around. And I kind of grew up in this wild child hippie, run around, do whatever you want, go horseback riding, go hiking. And then my job, or I should say my dad got a job offer in New York and we moved to New York City. And yeah, I had to transition to living in the big city, which was totally crazy and very, very different. I'm a little bit of an introvert, so it was really hard to get used to the difference there. Kids kind of teased me because I still had a bit of an Irish accent at the time. I can hear it now, but when we were first uh, it, now when we first met, I didn't hear, it, but now I can hear it. Mo- it's interesting. It's mostly in like the consonants that I pronounce yep. everything fully. That's about all that's left of the accent now. But when I was younger, it was way, way more pronounced. What age was it when you moved to New York? I was five. Okay, you're young. Okay. Oh, yes. Well, that certainly gave me an eye-opening experience where I really got to see so much of the world because New York is such an interesting melting pot. From there, I eventually went to college in upstate New York and then moved back to New York City in with roommates. It was there that I started to discover BDSM. My roommates were working at a BDSM dungeon in New York City that their parents actually owned. And for someone who doesn't know what BDSM means, can you just really quickly give the definition? It's bondage, domination, submission, masochism. It's kind of kinky, tying people up with ropes, kind of edgy activities. And I thought that sounded so sexy and cool that I begged them for a job. And eventually I was hired to be the front desk manager. From there, I started to coordinate their educational schedules and started taking all of these classes. And how old were you when this was when, when this was going on? 18, 19. 18, 19. Okay. I had that job for a few years and hands down, it was my favorite job that I have ever, ever worked in. I've done everything from being an EMT to working as a jockey on the racetrack for a summer, but it was really learning about sex that I kind of discovered my my passion for it. I eventually was asked to start teaching classes of my own, and that led to me being invited to different events. Soon enough, I was traveling the country teaching kink classes from one coast to the other. So is this more like sex education? Yeah, what's a kink class? What does that mean? So kink and BDSM classes are on everything from consent, communication, how to safely tie up your partner, how to introduce fire in a way that's safe, how to play with electricity, how to play with nipple clamps, how to... Lord, I'm going to need you to introduce some fire into our life, okay? Teach me how to do fire. I'll, like, burn his ass or some shit. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, going back to your childhood a little bit, do you remember early on what you wanted to be when you grew up? Like, was there, like, did you ever think about that when you were a child? Like, this is what I want to be when I grow up. Oh, yes. There is a piece of paper I have from when I was three years old. When I grow up, I want to be a cat. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. A cat, like like an animal cat. Yeah, and it's kind of ironic because now I work at a cat house. Oh my god, that's amazing! <laughs> Wait, that's so amazing. So let's t- let's let's dive into that. Let's just get right into it. So, 
How did you eventually make your way out to Reno, Nevada and then the infamous Bunny Ranch? Well, it was through sex education that I met a woman who was working at the ranch. And she was talking to me. It's like, oh, my God, this would be such a great fit for you. You would just love it there. Come out. Give it a try for a couple weeks. See what you think. And I'm like, oh, what the hell? Let's do this. So I flew on out and never left. You've been here the entire time. Pretty much. I went home, packed up all of my things, put my cats in the car and drove across the country to come and live here in Nevada and be full time at the Moonlight Bunny Ranch. Okay, now, Michael, you better be careful because they've got a salt rock pool that doesn't destroy your hair color. They have a doctor. They have horses. They have a bar. Bar. I might move in here. So when you come here and you see this, were you immediately enthralled with what was happening or did it take you a minute to like dip your toe in? I was hesitant at first because I had no idea what the social interaction would be like between the other women. I was kind of afraid it would be like a mean girls situation coming in. And it wasn't like that at all. It's a very open-minded, welcoming environment. And my coworkers are some of the kindest people I know. Well, let's let's talk about you and your coworkers a little bit because... You know, we were going to go, I was going to basically format this and then come back and kind of circle around to how you got involved in legal sex work. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions around how women and men get involved in this line of work. Can you talk about some of the, yourself and and some of the other women that work here and kind of the circumstances surrounding how you end up working um, in this career path and at the Bunny Ranch? Because I think there's some stigmas that can be removed. Oh, yes. The most common misconception is that people enter this industry out of desperation, that it's a, a last resort, a last choice. And that's not the case at all. Both myself and many of my coworkers are very well-educated ladies with college degrees who have the option of any number of other careers, but we still choose this one instead. And that can be for any number of reasons. For me, I chose this line of work because I believe that in life, we should always enrich the lives of others. This was a meaningful way for me to touch lives one by one by one and make change happen that enriches and betters lives. For other women, they're here for different goals. Some may be here to support their families. Others might be paying for their college educations. Still others are saving up for retirement. There's any number of reasons why somebody would choose to be a legal sex worker, but it certainly isn't from a place of desperation. What's a day in the life? Like, I know every day is probably different, but if if for someone that just knows nothing about your profession, can you give us a day in the life? Like, what time do you wake up? I'm even interested in what you do when you wake up. Is there a morning routine? Like, what time do you start work? What time do you end work? Well, for me, it's a little bit different because I am available only by appointment. So that means that I am not available on a set shift. People would contact me via email to set up a day and time for the two of us to meet. As such, it gives me a lot of flexibility with what I do during the day. Usually I wake up around 7 o'clock in the morning and I like to start my day off with a protein shake and then I'll take my dogs out for a walk. I have three super spoiled rotten chihuahuas and... We have chihuahuas too. Oh, they're the best. They we have two. Th- I never they're thought... They're so rotten, aren't they? They're spoiled rotten. I they never are. thought I would be a chihuahua guy. I grew up with big dogs and now I did too. I, I grew up them. with Irish wolfhounds. Like, there's this great photo of me. I must be maybe seven months old and I've got my hands on top of these two gigantic... <laughs> dogs and I'm trying to walk between the two of them 
And I downgraded to the tiniest dogs imaginable. I am actually going to say you upgraded. I don't, I mean, I really think you did. I think chihuahuas are just. They have the biggest personalities. They really do. I've got to say my three are a handful and a half. So do you remember, okay, so you come to the bunny ranch. The women here are very receptive, very kind, nice. You don't, you don't have any kind of bullying going on. Do you remember your first experience and what, and can you kind of walk us through what that looked like? Oh, God, I don't think I could forget my first experience here. My very first lineup, I remember coming out of my room and I was so nervous that my hands were literally like dripping with sweat. And how it works is that the ladies put their hands behind their backs, smile and introduce themselves by name. So I said, hi, my name is Alice Little. And lo and behold, I got picked out of my very first lineup. So at this point, I'm like, oh, my God, 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 panic, 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 panic. Because it was all theoretical up until that point. When you start working at the Bunny Ranch, you get partnered with a more experienced lady who kind of acts as your big sister to mentor and guide you through your first few encounters. So my big sister's like, you've got this, go, you got this. So I'm going and I'm giving the guy the tour and I'm super, super nervous. And finally, we get back to my room and I tell the guy, okay, I'm sorry if I seem a little nervous. I'm new. And he goes, yeah, I had a feeling you might be. And he was just so kind and wonderful and really patient with me that that it really made my first experience at the Bunny Ranch a very positive one. So when someone if as a patron comes here and, and you said the lineup and can you, you just you have to clarify for us what that means. Do they have a menu? Like what, what are they walking into? Explain from a customer standpoint. So when you come to the Bunny Ranch, there's two different ways that you could meet with a lady. The first way is through a lineup. How that works is you would come up to the front gate and ring the bell once. You then are going to be allowed inside and the cashier is going to hand you a menu. And she's going to let you know that she's summoning all of the available ladies that are currently on shift who will then introduce themselves to you. You will then be able to pick whichever lady you so choose or ladies if you're feeling adventurous. Threesomes are absolutely allowed here. And then you will go on a tour of the property. The tour then ends in the ladies' suite, where the two of you will talk about the different activities you would like to experience together. The menu is kind of just a rough guideline to give you an idea of the different things that could potentially happen, but everything gets negotiated in advance right in the ladies' room. After the two of you decide on activities and price, you then proceed into the booking office where they handle all of the transaction. Billing, of course, is very, very discreet. All of your information is secure. And then you're off on an adventure. Okay, I have a friend, our producer, who came on our podcast and talked about how he was a one-minute man. What if you get someone that, that pays for this like magnificent experience and it's a one-minute situation? Okay, let's go a second time. Okay. That's not a problem. Okay, Taylor. Taylor, you're, you're Taylor. in luck. So I wanted to I want to get into all the details, or we want to get into all the details, but there's one thing that I want to kind of get out of the way early on. Lauren and I, for our show, we like to present all walks of life, every point of view, remove all stigmas, and just start conversations. It's really important for us. For the, I'm sure you've heard everything under the sun at this point, especially with social. For men and women that are critics of this profession and the ones that may say this is degrading to women or this is not empowering to women. And I'm sure you've had these conversations. What is your response to that or what is your take on that? 
it's my body, it's my choice, and it's my rules. Nobody has a right to tell me what I can or what I cannot do out of my own free will and choice. I agree. I agree with you 100%. We both agree, but I just wanted to hear your take because you know how people can pe- people can get, especially in a 2019 world, I guess always, very judgy, right? And they want to... Mm-hmm. And what I try to do is, you know, I may disagree, and I'm not saying I disagree with this, but I may disagree with an opinion, but I never try to push my way of life on someone else. Like, this is me. This is what works for me. This is what works for my wife. This is how we're living. Take it or leave it, right? Mm-hmm. And I And I... So it's important for me to to talk through that and just kind of get your take on it because I know there's always going to be mixed reviews with these types of conversations that have not been presented um, is common it's in, in such a common way as other conversations. So I just wanted to kind of get your take before we move forward. Now I want to move forward and kind of get into the nitty gritty of what actually takes place here at the Bunny Ranch. Can you give us a little bit of a brief history behind the Bunny Ranch? Our, our interaction or my interaction with it was, I know you guys used to have the HBO show with Dennis Hoff. He used to go on the Stern show all the time. He was a character, but What is the actual history of the ranch? So the history of the Bunny Ranch goes all the way back to the 1970s when sex work was first legalized here in Nevada. Keep in mind that there were certainly brothels before the 1970s, but there wasn't any sort of legislation either supporting them or criminalizing them. They just were kind of here. Well, we finally decided to do something about it and apply some language to the industry to go ahead and formalize it. Since then, brothels have been legal exclusively in the rural counties of Nevada, based off of how many people are in that particular county. Here in Lyon County, we have four brothels, the Moonlight Bunny Ranch, the Kit Kat Ranch, the Sagebrush Ranch, and the Love Ranch North. All four of those happen to be owned by the Bunny Ranch Company. Dennis Hoff, who was the former owner of the Bunny Ranch who recently passed away, kind of built his empire from the bottom up. He purchased the Bunny Ranch back in the early 90s because he saw what was going on in this industry and he was so intrigued by it. It's a little known fact that he was kind of peer pressured to buy the Bunny Ranch by Andy Kaufman back in the day. Mm. They were treated kind of like celebrities, Back in the day, and their standpoint was that everybody coming into the Bunny Ranch should be treated that same way. So they're like, Dennis, you should buy the Bunny Ranch. Do it, man. He had owned a bunch of gas stations, very successful entrepreneur, and he said, you know what? I'll do it. So he bought the Bunny Ranch, and then he flipped the industry on its head. He, he was a disruptor. was a fucking character. Oh, that is an understatement, De- I mean, to it's say funny. the you, least. You walk in the Bunny Ranch... In the, in the, it's the, this is the first time we've been here. You walk in the Bunny Ranch, and the first thing you see is just Dennis with a ton of celebrities: Mike Tyson, Chelsea Handler, Kim Kardashian, Kim Kardashian, Jimmy Kimmel. Like he knew Penn and Teller. Penn oh and yes, Te- he knew everyone. Nelly, like who? Like, he's just celebrity after celebrity. Honestly, I I think that if you could just tell if you could tell our audience, like if they were to come to the Bunny Ranch as a man or a woman and walk them through the, I know you kind of walk them through the lineup, but can you walk them through what they would see as they walked through? For instance, the bar, you had the, you had the uh, pussy powder room, walk us through, there was the, um, the hooker booker, like Mm -hmm. walk us through all these little facets that you showed us. So the, Tour starts off in the parlor where we have our souvenir gift shop with hats, t-shirts, all with different cute sayings on them. I'm getting a hat. I'm getting a hat. I want to get one of those Subway shirts. 100%. Eat fresh. Eat fresh. fresh. (laughs) It's so funny. Oh, God. (laughs) From there, we then walk through to the famous Bunny Bar. 
a lot of people love to take pictures with our bunny bar sign because it was featured very prominently back on the HBO Cat House show. Of course, we have our bar and the associated bar back, which is a collection of sex toys that are available for purchase. You know, we like to keep things fun and interesting, so we can't just have a normal restroom. Oh, oh no. We have a pussy powder room, named so because it's pink on the inside quite literally the whole bathroom is themed it's like my dream it's my dream i love a pink pussy powder (laughs) don't you think that we should have some woo in the in the gift shop yeah we gotta give we gotta give her woo oh totally we gotta give her woo awesome we're gonna send a bunch over here yeah we're sending weston make sure we send a bunch to the bunny ranch oh yeah i'll totally totally give everyone the hook up we'll (laughs) test that out that looks fun (laughs) okay so the hooker booker room Yes, that is the booking office where they handle all of the transaction and payment, which is, of course, nice and discreet. Also on the property, we do have a full kitchen available for the ladies where breakfast, lunch, dinner is all provided for us. Plus, of course, we have facilities to cook if we so choose. We also have laundry facilities. We have a full gym on the property for the ladies. And I've got to say, it's like a a half million dollar gym. It's a serious, serious setup. It's beautiful. We also have a saltwater heated pool. During the summer months, we love to do barbecues. So we'll set up with the DJ, have pool parties, and have so much fun with it. Also up by the pool, you're going to see a couple of different suites and bungalows. Sometimes guests will come and choose to spend either a night with the lady or join us for an entire weekend adventure. We are able to host them here on the property, and they're, of course, able to enjoy the full facilities while they are here. We also have an outdoor jacuzzi, plus a stable facility where my two horses live. I saw your horses, Merlin and... Nimue. Nimue. I love it. <laughs> Nimue. <laughs> so let's let's talk about the clients. Who are the typical clients? Because I think, again, there's a common misconception around or a stigma around or, an, or a belief around who the typical client is. Can you kind of talk through who the typical client is that, vin- that visits the Bunny Ranch? We're learning about a lot of different skill sets in this episode. And one of my favorite things to talk about is acquiring new skills. And what better way to do that than with our friends over at Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 20,000 classes in design, business, marketing, technology, and more. We have talked about it for a very long time on the show because we believe in leveling up. I just feel that so many of you guys have DM'd me asking about my graphics on Instagram story and the blog and swipe ups for, um, you know, podcast videos. And what we did is we had Taylor and Mimi check out Skillshare. Michael and I also checked it out and we learned a bunch of new skills from it. I always say that you should always improve on your strengths. And uh, we needed some we need some strength on Instagram story. But I mean, honestly, there's something for everybody. You can take a class in graphic design, video editing, marketing, creative. You can take class on finance. People, classes taught by people like you and I, right? It's really simple to use, really easy to digest. So whether you're stuck in a rut, looking to return to a longtime passion project, or just looking to challenge yourself to get outside your normal routine and comfort zone, or simply just exploring something new to try, some new skill set to, to add to your arsenal of skills, Skillshare would definitely have something for you. I love it. I check it out pretty much every week to just brush up, add new things. I check it out pretty much every week, and it's always astonishing to me the level of new talent that's jumping on teaching classes. 
because even our friend Gary V over there, the Ask Gary V shows on there with a little class. Love his class. So join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for our listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering the Skinny Confidential listeners two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash TSC. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash TSC to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash TSC. Anyone of a legal age of any gender could potentially be a client of a legal sex worker. People come from all walks of life. People who are married, people who are single, people who are divorced, people who might be wheelchair bound or disabled that are still looking to connect intimately and have an amazing experience and be accepted for who they are and the way that they are. I see couples that are looking to improve their relationship communication. I see men that have been divorced that are wanting to get back into the saddle and start dating again. I see straight women that want to learn how to masturbate or go sex toy shopping because nobody's ever taught them about their own personal pleasure. Wow. There's didn't you everything. Just show me a post in your group the other day about a woman that... And like she's, she was saying she never learned anything about sex being married. No, I have a, a Facebook group where 50,000 women are in there and there's a lot of different conversations about sex and orgasms and, and self-pleasure. And it's just, sometimes it's so crazy because there's, there's questions in there. Like people don't know how to masturbate or they don't, or they, they have questions about blowjobs, whatever it is. Um, but I, personally, I think this is so cool that you do provide services to people that, are probably embarrassed to maybe ask their mom or their friend or or even their husband. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's so cool that there's a spot for that. Oh, yes. All the time. We oftentimes see men that are in committed relationships that have a particular fetish, fantasy, maybe a role play that they want to indulge in that their partner isn't really interested in. That's okay. We're here to kind of fulfill that need and take care of that service. I always say seeing a legal sex worker isn't cheating. You're not doing anything that would be damaging to your relationship. What you're doing is getting one of your intimate needs met. And once your needs are met, you're going to be able to focus on all the other things in your relationship. That's interesting. You almost look at it as an educational tool. So let me play devil's advocate here because mm-hmm. I always like to play devil's advocate. Oh, go for it. Because I know my wife over here. So say I had. What a, do you mean? Say I had a need, right, Lauren? And I need to and I need to come. And I if I came to an establishment like the Bunny Ranch, and I said you're not meeting this need, and I well, need to come. Well, let's come together. Why? Well, but but we're talking about just you know looking at it as not cheating. I, I think there's a lot of women that are listening I don't to have like, an whoa, op- whoa, whoa. <laughs> I don't have an opinion on any of it. I, what I always say is like it needs to be like a situational thing. There's so, like she said, there's so many different situations. It's it's. I think you have to look at it by situation. It's but, true. Like yeah. to tell you a, a I can't quick story. I, I have um one couple that I work with where she is recovering from very, very severe ovarian cancer. This is her second round going through chemotherapy. It unfortunately has now spread to her lymph node, so it had to be way more invasive this last go around. And her husband, of course, wants to be supportive through all this. At the same time, he definitely has a need that needs to be addressed. Well, we're able to have this amazing open conversation where we can go, hey, look, if I'm able to take care of this sex need, he's able to take care of everything else. He's able to be there for you. He's able to support you. And then he doesn't feel that pressure 
it kind of is like taking the pressure out of the situation. Once that like pressure cooker need has gotten out of the way. So it, let, let's stay so on this for a minute. Let's stay on this. One. That's one. That's terrible. That's, that's terrible here. That's an extreme example. Let's take the scenario of maybe an individual man or woman mm -hmm. that's just feeling that they're not getting all of their sexual desires met with their significant other. And then they decide to come here. How do you kind of navigate that? Because on one side, you're, you're satisfying a need that they have, but on the other side, what if the partner is not aware of that? Like, how do you navigate or do not? Or like, what's, what's the balance there? I always encourage people to openly communicate with their relationships. I write a lot of articles on my website about how to talk to your partner about seeing a legal sex worker, whether it be with them or by themselves. And what's your website if anyone wants to know it while we're talking? Oh, it's thealicelittle.com. Okay. Go on. Sorry. The way that I like to do things is I encourage people to ask questions because oftentimes that point of fear comes from simply not having the right information. They don't know what's going to happen. To think that a legal sex worker is going to steal your husband is the same as thinking that a, a child care provider is going to steal your toddler. Trust me, you will get your two-year-old back at the end of the day. They don't want to keep them. Same thing with a legal sex worker. We're not here to steal your spouse. We're here to address a need so this way they return to you satisfied, happy, and you can go about enjoying your relationship. Okay, so what if a couple, have you, do you have a lot of couples that come to you together? All the time. That has nothing to do with anything other than they come to you together. Mm -hmm. So walk, what do you do? Like, let's say the woman's, the woman feels that the husband doesn't know what the fuck they're doing in bed. <laughs> Happens all the time. Making this up. Being real. That so, does happen okay, quite are often. You, are you showing on the woman what to do to the... Like, how does that work? Like, what are the logistics of this? So it all depends. So it all starts with a conversation where all three people sit down and talk about what they're looking to get out of the experience. Are we looking to learn how to please your partner better? Are we trying a new position that you've never gotten to before? Do we want to improve communication during the act of intimacy? So this way you can give him feedback and pointers and describe to him how do you like to be touched how do you want him to actually go down on you is it the clitoris that you want stimulated or do you prefer penetration and I give people the tools to communicate that usually by showing and modeling it so first in the example of woman's pleasure, I might show the guy how to go down on her and give him the example. For oral sex, dental dams are absolutely used at the bunny ranch when it comes to women on women. What is that? A dental dam is kind of like a flat sheet of latex. It's like a flat condom, essentially. So this way you don't have to cut open a condom to create a safe barrier. Instead, it's just a flat, simple sheet. It doesn't have any flavor or odor. It's exactly like a condom. It doesn't really get in the way of sensation at all. You barely even notice it. It's just there for safety's sake. Speaking of safety, and we were kind of talking about this when you gave us the tour when we came in. One, let's talk about safety for yourself and for the other women on property. You know, I, I'm sure there's got to be some type of security or safety element to it. And two, let's talk about health. Because I know you showed us you have the doctor's office on staff and that everyone has to get checked out, both clients and um, sex workers. Can you talk about that a little bit? Mm-hmm. So how it works as far as the medical checks go is that legally sex workers have to see the doctor once a week in order to be cleared of STDs or STIs and all the results have to come back negative in order for the lady to be able to work legally. 
the doctor comes right here to our property to visit each of the ladies. As you can imagine, with 20 to 30 ladies, it's easier to have one doctor travel to us than have 30 of us travel out to him. As far as safety goes, we do have a security gate that surrounds the entire property. Guests do have to be buzzed into the facilities, and we do have security cameras around the perimeter as well. With that said, somebody would have to be pretty foolish to come to the Bunny Ranch, of all places, to do something that would be harmful. This isn't the environment for negativity or violence. We don't have those kinds of problems here because it is legal and because we are so well-known Nobody really comes here with that kind of attitude in mind. Especially in Reno, Nevada. You after, want to mess around. After everything you've said to me, it seems like at the end of the day, a big part of what you do is sex education. Quite honestly, yes. And that's because our society doesn't provide sex education in a meaningful, useful way. We don't talk about consent. We don't even talk about pleasure. Like, we lie to children in school. The only thing that we teach is abstinence. There's this really fucked up statistic that I love to talk about. It is only required in 13 of the 50 states that sex education be scientifically accurate. Wow. That means in the rest of the country, they could be teaching the stork story as if it's fact. Well, part of the reason that the Lauren and I... The stork story. Do you hear that? Yeah. No, they literally could teach that as if it is fact. If my kid's going to a school with the stork story, we're pulling him the fuck out. Or her. <laughs> part of the reason Lauren and I really wanted to interview you, and, and we've done some research now and like spent some time reading your material, watching you on other interviews, listen to you on Tim Ferriss. You're very educated. And I think you look at this as also a, a social mission. And and I find that very interesting because there's, there's not... When, talking about misconceptions and preconceived notions around this space. There's there's not a lot of people that are championing this space the way that you are from an educational standpoint and really as a social mission. Do you agree with that or? Oh, wholeheartedly. If you go back in history, literally at the beginning of civilization in Assyro-Babylonian times, we have documentation of sex workers. If mm-hmm. you look at Hammurabi's code even, There's legislation in there talking about you can't look down on women who do this service and it's actually against the law to speak ill of a sex worker in Hammurabi's code. It's something that has existed as a societal service since the dawn of time, and it's continued in every single society ever since. We see instances of it in Rome. We saw instances of it in ancient Egypt. We saw instances of it back in the own formation of our own country. Brothels were very much so at the front of the Western frontier. Mm -hmm. Brothels and the services that are provided by the women It's a social service. We're just like doctors. Doctors take care of your physical health needs. Psychiatrists and social workers take care of your emotional needs or mental health needs. You have priests and whatnot to take care of your religious needs. Why not have sex workers to take care of your intimacy needs? And it's not just men that you're taking care of either. It sounds to me like there's a lot of women as well. Mm-hmm. It very much so is a both gendered situation. This isn't a problem exclusively for just men. Women 
just as much so can feel lonely. Men is just as lonely as men. Women can be just as confused and ashamed about sex in their bodies and not know how to pleasure themselves. Oftentimes for women, that's even more so because there's that gendered stigma around sex and self-pleasure. So outside, so talking on this subject, outside of sex, which is obviously a given when people come to a brothel looking for sex, outside of sex, what are some of the other things that the clients could be looking for? Well, it's interesting that you say outside of the sex because we have this saying that it's not about sex. Okay. It's an adventure because it really isn't just sex. This is why you I need to talk to you. So sex you can, can only last. Set me, set me right. I mean, two people can only have sex for so long. Mm -hmm. The physical body can only go for so long before eventually you need to take a break. Like Taylor can only go for a minute. <laughs> Our producer. Listen. As he turns bright red over there. In no, the that's that's Weston. Oh, God. <sighs> Taylor, Weston, whatever. That's Weston. Weston is not Taylor. Let me just let me just make sure that everyone knows this. Weston is not Taylor. Taylor is our producer that's listening probably to this oh, podcast right now, goodness. editing it. And he's Separate. probably still turning bright red. <laughs> Here's the Same thing. difference. Taylor, <laughs> Taylor may have been a, an actual liability to bring here, so we left him, we left yeah. him home. Oh, I see. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. What do you think about... Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I might be wrong, how open Europeans are. Because when I go to Europe, I feel a different openness about sex and connection. And um, even I feel like, in, you know, in Amsterdam, like it's it's just very different than, than in the United States. Can you speak on that? There is a, a much more evolved sense of awareness around sex, intimacy, and sex work, where it's much more societally accepted and not looked down upon. It exists in so many different sectors of Europe already that it's just, it's a part of society that people are used to and expecting to see. There's not so much judgment there. And people have kind of started to talk about sex in a much more open way. For example, if you look at uh, British television compared to American television and how they censor things, it's very, very different with how open they're able to be there. Where in America, we might censor a sex toy. In Europe, they're able to have full nudity on TV, no problem. Yeah, we were, it was funny. We were in Malibu the other day driving and there was a woman on the side of the road with her top off. And I was like, oh, oh my God. And I, was, and I looked at Lauren and I said, you know, if we were in Europe, this would, nobody would even care. It would be a non-issue. And I think it's, it's funny, you know, America's evolved from a Puritan society. So there's still, after 200 and something years, there's still some of these, I don't want to say resistances, but there's still this kind of prudeness that exists. Oh, it's like, no, it's not kind of prudeness. I'm sorry. I'm going to call it out. We talked earlier. I have been people, at dinner with a couple people where I'm talking about sex and they're telling me, shh, you, why do you talk like that? You're a woman. You can't talk like who taught you. It's okay to talk like that. I have always talked about sex since I'm an, I'm an oversharer by nature. Um, but I do notice as I get older and I start to open the conversation about sex with my platform or whatever it is, people don't want to talk about it, but they do. It's weird. They don't want to talk about it, but they do want to talk I'll about it. I'll tell you this, though. What's funny, whenever we do sex-focused episodes, right, and we've had people like Emily on and Wednesday Martin, and then you heard the Doc Johnson one and not yourself, those are the ones that always spike the highest in listens, but people are the shyest to comment on, right? Like, they won't come in and be like, hey, I heard that, but you can see on, like, we can see the analytics, and we it's see they like, always spike. I see you listening. Exactly. And people shouldn't be ashamed to talk about sex and be like, you know what? Yeah, I did learn something from that podcast. And you know what? I didn't know that thing about sex. There's nothing wrong with learning something new about sex. 
the moment that you stop learning is the moment that you're dead, in my opinion. I agree. Life is always about progression, learning new things, and being open to new opinions and differences in the way things can possibly be. And I think that the Bunny Ranch is such a shining example of what could we do if this was legal? What could we do if this was done in the best way possible? Because that's very much so what we were able to create here, a beautiful legal system that supports society and is able to fulfill anyone's needs, wants, or desires. If there's someone at home that's listening that's been in a relationship for a long time, what are some tips that they can do to spice it the fuck up? Like, is there anything that you can just, like tangible, valuable takeaways that you can give to the audience to take home with them in the bedroom? There's a real simple, easy thing you can do to spice things up. And it's very, very easy. Have your partner close their eyes. Close their eyes and then without saying a word, start interacting with their body and have them focus on what it is they're feeling on your fingertips slowly tracing over their arm or your nails kind of just over each spot of their spine. Don't pop a bone or your, listen. Your like, breath coming over the edge of their ear and then getting to hear and feel their heartbeat as they lean up against you. That and that kind of connection is very erotic and very easy to make happen. It's very, very simple. You just have your partner close their eyes. I want you to close your eyes and focus on what I'm going to do to you. I want you to really lean into this and enjoy yourself. And then you're able to make that experience happen for your partner. If you're feeling more adventurous, you could even break out a blindfold, get a cup of hot tea, and another cup that has ice cubes, and you can start to play with temperature. You take a sip of warm tea, and then you kiss your partner, but then you have an ice cube in your mouth, and you're teasing over their nipple or down their side, and it causes a little bit of a shiver. What about the ice cubes? And tell me to close my eyes tonight. All right, I'm in. <laughs> Start playing with temperature. You can get creative with it. Speaking of activities <laughs> and experiences, so what are some of the most, I don't know, how to, it, correct me if I don't say this the right way. What are some of the most requested activities or experiences here? Probably the most common one would be the girlfriend experience, but I kind of hate that word in all honesty. Didn't they do a show on that? Or they that, did, and oh, it was did. really terrible. It really didn't accurately portray what the girlfriend experience is. They should have asked you to consult. They really should have. I thought it was kind of ridiculous, and it, I've just got to go off the rails here for one second. I get so frustrated that Hollywood, Netflix, TV, they do all of these things about sex work. Um, Netflix just recently put out a kinky one called like bonding. And it is so inaccurate. It's very obvious that they couldn't be bothered to actually contact an expert and get a consultant that genuinely knows the subject matter. And it, it really shows because the information ends up feeling very false, very fake. And as we're seeing in the news, sex workers don't feel very good when you portray them as a stereotype. I bet it's really, really frustrating to hear stereotypes. I can only imagine. I know as a blogger, I hear stereotypes. I can only imagine how you feel to hear stereotypes about something that people don't know enough about. Oh, yeah. And it's super frustrating when it's a Hollywood perpetuated stereotype because they could have just simply chosen to portray things accurately and not perpetuate that same negativity. So if you were describing exactly what the girlfriend experience is on an accurate way... How would you describe that? 
the girlfriend experience is essentially an ersatz relationship where I step into the role of quite literally being your companion, girlfriend, partner, whatever word you want to apply to it. And I'm going to form an emotional connection with you beyond just a sexual one where we're able to share ideas, where we're talking about our goals for the future, maybe our greatest fears, and we're sharing genuinely about ourselves and connecting in this way more meaningful way. We may choose to have other experiences together too, such as going out to Vegas together, spending a weekend exploring the strip, going shopping, seeing a few shows, maybe gambling a little bit, and just getting to have an amazing, fulfilling experience that goes far beyond just the bedroom. See, this is interesting to hear because I would think in my preconceived notions that, and from the conversations I've had with maybe my friends, and maybe my friends are just a bunch of dumbos, but that they are looking for the opposite, where they're looking for no emotional connection. And when you hear, when you tell me something like that, I'm like, oh, that's interesting that men are coming here because they're looking for that emotional connection. Well, that that's where it gets kinds of interesting. Because what people come here looking for is oftentimes different than why they genuinely are here, hmm. and they haven't made that connection in their mind yet. That sounds like Robert Greene, The Laws of Human Nature. It kind of does, really. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's true. There's... um. This, th there's many different facets as to why somebody would choose to see a legal sex worker. And uh, oftentimes there's not enough self-awareness to realize that there's a level of loneliness that many of us feel. Something like 60% of all Americans report feeling chronic loneliness. And research has shown that feeling lonely to that degree is just as deadly as obesity or smoking an entire pack of cigarettes every day. Mm. Like this has very real health consequences. But people aren't thinking about that when they come in. They're just like, oh, it's going to be fun. I'm going to come in, have a really great orgasm. It's going to be awesome. But what they aren't figuring in is the fact that there's going to be an amazing conversation that we're going to have a sharing of ideas and that they might learn something that'll potentially change their life in the way that they interact with other people forever. I have a really good guy friend that, um, that, um, hire sex workers all the time. And he puts on the front that it's because he wants to get laid. But at the end of the day, when I get him a little bit tipsy and I really talk to him, it's that he wants the intimacy of a woman like you're saying. So that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason why people have that perception where they're like, oh yeah, I'm just, I'm just in it for the sex is because of Tinder. It's the Tinder culture where it's about quick hookups. It's get in, get off, get out, get over with it. I never want to see him again. But we know that that's not forming meaningful connections and that that's not a genuine relationship. That's not fulfilling at that next level. That, that one night stand experience really doesn't have the depth of emotion or the connection to really fulfill you in the way that you're looking for. Because the need that you're feeling isn't just the need to come, but it's the need to actually connect. It's the need to feel human and be human with another person and share that vulnerability in the unique way that two people laying there together naked, well, doesn't get more intimate than that. Can I ask you a personal question? Oh, go for it. So talking about being intimate and having an emotional connection, how does that work in your personal life? Like, do you have 
boyfriends that are outside of or girlfriends. or girlfriends boyfriends or girlfriends that are outside of the ranch do you find yourself being connected to one individual and not wanting to be with others like how does that play out in your normal like dating life relationship life like how does that all factor in or is that too personal oh not too personal at all at the moment i'm single I'm mostly focused on my career at the moment, but that's a choice. Mm -hmm. By all means, if I wanted to, I absolutely could have a boyfriend or girlfriend or both even. I identify as polyamorous, which means that I believe that people have the ability to love more than one person at the same time. And I'm also bisexual. I don't limit my attraction based off of gender. I'm far more attracted to who someone is and the substance behind them than the physical being in front of me in the past when I have dated it's been a very interesting and easy conversation where I simply let people know hey I'm a sex worker this is what I do and if you're uncomfortable with it well this comes with the territory this is who I am and this is what I do and if you want to be with me you're gonna have to be open-minded my question is is um kind of going off michael's what if have you ever been in a situation where you're with a man or a woman and you actually end up falling for the person that's that's paying for the intimacy i think at some level everybody kind of falls for each other there's different levels and different types of relationships like you can feel very deeply for your best friend you can feel very deeply about your family and for me I feel very deeply about my guests I do build very meaningful relationships with them they share with me stories of their family their careers their health and I get to support them through all that so by all means yes I definitely do build up a very meaningful relationship with my guests is there anyone that you've been like oh I want to be with this person in life or has there never been someone where you're like like, this is, like, the person that I, like, want to date or I want to marry. Well, it, it's interesting because part of being a legal sex worker is knowing how to set professional boundaries. There is this term, terminology used. It's called bounded intimacy. And it essentially says that between this limited time that we have together, the two of us are going to express these emotions, feel these feelings, have these experiences, but we both recognize that at the end of the session, that's the time for that experience to end, that there's a time and a place for those emotions and those feelings. So in that time and that space, by all means, I absolutely allow myself to feel very fully about someone and fully lean into that experience and enjoy it. But there's also the professionalism that goes along with the profession too. What Is about, sorry, go ahead. Laura. No, go ahead. Uh, I have a hundred questions. Sorry. And we're going to have a lot of questions. What about the reverse of that? What if there is one of the clients and they fall head over heels and they, and it becomes That's unhealthy. That's happened. I can tell she's smiling. Right? She's like, that where, happens all the where time. It be, have you ever actually had to end a relationship or, or cut off a client because it's become unhealthy? I absolutely do set boundaries. That's something I am not afraid to do. And it's something that we always try to do in a courteous way because it's something that is kind of a difficult and touchy subject because you're talking about someone's emotions. So I always try to remind people what the nature of our relationship is. And so long as they can have that sense of reality, we can make things work. In cases where someone were to become, say, dangerously obsessed, what I might do is suggest that they see another lady or, hey, maybe we have a threesome for our next encounter. So this way you're expanding your horizons a little bit more and it kind of lets the pressure out a little bit. Has there ever been an experience where you're like, get me out of here? 
Oh, no. That's the beauty of being a legal sex worker is that I have a right to say no at any point in time for any reason that I choose whenever I choose. I think that's so important for you to, to speak on what you just said. You, you are in control. You're driving the ship. Can you speak a little bit more on that? Like you can do whatever works for you. And distinguish maybe, this would be an interesting thing while you're doing that in the same line of questioning, distinguish the difference in the vulnerabilities between legal sex work and illegal sex work. Right. So legalized sex work in America currently only exists within the Nevada brothel system. Any other form of sex work that takes place outside of that is called independent or illegal sex work. In those industries, you may have a woman that's being forced, coerced. You could encounter someone that was trafficked into that industry that isn't choosing to do so of their own free will and volition. It's It doesn't give the girls as much freedom and ability to be in control of their businesses and their decisions. It sounds a lot more dangerous too. It really is. They don't have the ability to pre-screen their guests. It's very, very dangerous. And as such, there is a significant amount of violence that those women, unfortunately, are subject to. Whereas in this world, every single lady is able to choose what services she does offer, as well as the services that she's not comfortable with. For example, I'm not comfortable with something called splashing, which is a a food fetish where you are smearing food over your partner and then licking it off of their body. I'm just not terribly comfortable with that. And so that's not a service that I provide. What happens when somebody contacts me for something that I don't offer? I simply recommend them to a coworker who is able to make that experience happen. That's the beauty is that there's someone for everyone. What's the craziest fetish people want? I wouldn't say crazy because I don't think there's so much as like a a crazy fetish so much because I don't like to negatively judge what someone's interests are. But there are definitely some very interesting things I have gotten emails about over the years. Everything from wanting to be my pony and go for a horseback ride and have me sit on their back in a saddle (laughs) where they wear a a bit in their mouth and I'm quite literally giving them like a a pony ride. You go get Merlin. You're like, Merlin's (laughs) a Weston's sitting here dying laughing. Is that you, Wes? Oh, gosh. I get people that are interested in cross-dressing. I get people that are interested in being dominated. And the most common fetish fantasy that men have is the fantasy of being pegged, which is the act of being anally penetrated by a strap-on dildo. Okay. Can we talk a little bit about that? We've never talked about pegging on the show. We've talked about everything. We haven't talked about pegging. I don't know. You know, there's like two things we haven't talked about on this show. Yeah, maybe can that's you one elaborate on the pegging thing? Because I think a lot of people maybe don't know what that, I mean, you kind of explained it, but is that, you said it's like very commonly asked for. It is. It is the hands down most common sexual fantasy of men in America is pegging. Wow. Because there is such a taboo around sexuality with men where straight men feel as if they have to be masculine and that anal penetration would somehow take away that masculine power from them. There naturally is a sense of curiosity about it. There is a gland, the prostate gland, that's located in the rectum that is typically hit through anal penetration that feels incredibly good. It's kind of like the male G-spot and it can actually cause very intense pleasurable orgasms for men. As my best friend Steve says, sorry Steve, get over it. Milking. 
Yes. Yes. Right. Prostate milking is one of the words that you could use to describe an activity involving anal sex with men. Prostate milking, pegging, which specifically involves a strap on harness that the lady is wearing and penetrating with the toy. Whereas milking might be done with a sex toy or fingers or through another method of stimulation. So I actually have a question just from the man perspective. Why does a man want to strap on as opposed to a real penis? Is it just is it just have to do with them knowing it's a woman doing it? Mm -hmm. It very much so is a sexuality thing where guys are interested in the activity but they might not identify as being bisexual. So they're not comfortable being penetrated by a man. Instead, they're comfortable receiving that same stimulation, but from a woman. What, what, as, as when you said you, there's a lineup when you come in, what, what do the girls want you to ask for? Or is every woman different? Every single girl is different. There are some ladies that specialize in the girlfriend experience. We have ladies that are porn stars that experience the porn star or that specialize in the porn star experience. There are ladies that are really into fetish and BDSM that love to be dominant. There are other ladies that love to role play that have like a million different costumes and would love to dress up as your favorite character. Like I actually kind of love role play. I can't say anything. Role play seems fun. It is. I mean, I feel like Michael would want me to dress up as Princess Leia or some shit. I totally have a Princess Leia costume. <laughs> I totally do. It's, is, it the definitely job, is it the Jabba the Hutt costume? It like, is. It's Leif Princess famous. Leia. Of course. It's a, it's a classic. Costume. I have noticed that I've had a lot of women reach out to me and say that their their husband or their boyfriend's watching porn. Um, and they're, they're uncomfortable with that. What would you say to those women? Because for me, my advice with that is I think everyone watches or porn. Or in, in that vein, let's just talk about porn in general and porn adult stars. Oh, yeah. There's nothing wrong with porn. There's nothing wrong with being a porn star. There's nothing wrong with watching porn. Men watch porn. Women watch porn. Everyone watches porn. People can watch porn together. And frankly speaking, I wish more couples would watch porn together. It's important to denotate that one needs to consume porn ethically. Please, for the love of God, pay for your pornography. Don't download it through the internet for free. Pay the women for the work that they are doing. Oh, that's actually interesting. buy porn. Huh. So actually pay for the porn instead of just downloading it on like Red Tube or Pornhub. Guilty. Whoa. <laughs> All right. Well, fuck. Well, we, n- Two guys now, in here are guilty. Now I'm, gonna... now I'm educated. This yeah. is why I have these yeah, conversations. See, see he, he didn't know that. He, you didn't know that. Well, we don't you? know. I mean, listen, I've, I've, we've, we've talked about this. Back in the day when we were kids, like, you know, the internet didn't exist. So oh, we had to yeah. go and, like, there was like a VHS somewhere or a DVD or like a magazine. And then it went online and you, you couldn't pay for it because your parents would be like, what the hell and are you doing? And there'd be like pop ups every five seconds. And they're like, oh, yeah. God, trying to click out of them as and fast then it, as you can. And then it evolved. We don't need your whole life story. Yeah, listen, we don't need it. Don't worry about Alice, this is about you. (laughs) So, okay. So let's talk. Okay. Here's where I want to segue. And forgive me because I'm going to stumble here and I don't know the correct terms. And so you have to just. You're doing fine. Forgive me. I got you. Pricing and negotiation. Mm -hmm. Is that what you call it? Is that a thing? Like say we've gone through the process of the lineup Mm -hmm. and, and we've identified an individual that we want to engage with. I'm saying we. And um, then you say, okay, these are the, the activities that I'm interested in or that we're interested in. How does how do you figure out pricing from there? Like is it is it flat rates? Is it open negotiation? Is it you based you on said hours? you go back to the room and you talk it over of what you want with the person and then you go to the hooker booker. 
Correct. So each lady is able to decide for herself how she chooses to charge for her services. Some la- some ladies may charge by the hour. Other ladies may charge by the experience. For me, it's a combination of what we do and how long we choose to do it together for. It's important to note that it is illegal to talk about prices outside of the physical ranch property. So we can't talk numbers until we're here on the premises. With that said, if somebody is setting up an appointment and they already have gone to the Bunny Ranch website and picked out a lady, sent her an email and chosen a day and time to meet up with her, they might give her an idea of what kind of budget range they have. So this way she has an idea of like, oh, what kind of things could we do together? Then when we sit down in the room, I, I don't like to use the word negotiation. Okay, so that's that why I stumbled. Sorry. feels kind of high pressure. Mm-hmm. It, it's more of just a casual conversation where two people are going back and forth figuring out, hey, what do we want to do? How does this work? But if, if someone comes in and they're like, I have a hundred bucks, you're going to be like, that's not going to work, right? Like, what, what, is, what do you do if someone comes in and they, they just don't have the funds to do what they want to do? Or maybe this is a good segue to say like price ranges, like, you know, to, for people that don't understand. Uh, you're not allowed to give price ranges, right? Yeah, that that's the difficulty. I can say the closest thing I can say is that my experiences start in the four figure range, but that's about as close I can say to it. Alice knows what she's doing. Her experiences start in the four figure range. If I start blogging, I'm coming and moving here. Can you make me a Barbie room? I'd like a horse. And I want mine to start in the four figure range. (laughs) I can make this happen. You cannot ride a horse. You I can ride I can ride a horse at the bunny. You can ride other things. I don't know about a horse. Okay. Okay. So that's interesting. Um, I heard, you know, I listened to your interview with Tim Ferriss and there was a, you guys started touching on male virgins and disabled individuals that come into the ranch. Can you speak on that a little bit and, and kind of talk? Because I think removing more stigmas around the type of clientele that come to the bunny ranch. When I heard that, I was, I was interested to you, for you to elaborate a little bit more and like talk about some of those individuals and how having experience at the bunny ranch can enhance their lives and help them a little bit. Oh, yeah. There's some really interesting statistics about adults in virginity in America. Something like 15% of all men over the age of 18 still are virgins. It's a very normal and common thing. And one of the things that I love to do is give virgins a positive first experience. Most people, when they go back and think of their first time, they're like, hello, regrets. I want to redo that. That was a that was a mistake. Yeah. When someone comes to the Bunny Ranch, they're able to have a first time that's memorable, special, that goes really well, that they're able to look back on and smile. It's a good experience rather than a scary or negative one. With my virgin guests, oftentimes they come to me to kind of get a a sense of things, to maybe go on a practice date, to get an idea of how do I flirt with a girl? How do I invite her back to her hotel room? What, What does that actually sound like? How do I do that? Especially if a guy is super nervous around women, they may not have developed the social skills to start a conversation like what do I talk about with a girl and I'm able to help them through some of those first steps and then of course back in the bedroom we're able to explore each other intimately and I'm able to give them some basic education I've got to say most virgins come in having no idea how to use a condom but by the time they leave you better bet they do is is there a lot of men that come in here or women let's let's go both don't discriminate Lauren that are nervous 
all the time. Most people come in. I I would say 95% of people that walk into the Bunny Ranch, ladies included, are super nervous because it's a different experience. It is normal to feel uncomfortable when you do something for the first time. But when you put yourself in an uncomfortable experience, you give yourself the opportunity to learn and grow. And people always say that coming to the Bunny Ranch has changed them for the better. It's expanded their horizons, given them experiences and conversations that they never would have had anywhere else on the planet. So when someone comes, what I'm interested in, in with you that, that attracts me to you as a person and your energy is that you make people feel very comfortable. I think that that to me, like out of everything you do, I think you're very entrepreneurial. Like I think you're doing something that, you know, is, is breaking taboos, but uh, you're also very good at finesse. Can you speak on how you got, and I don't even know if this is something that you, it might just be in your subconscious. You're good at finessing situations. I can tell. How did you learn how to be like that? I, I think it's a lot of self work. I spend a lot of time reflecting inwards. Um, I, I always have this thought that mastery of the self is the hardest, the hardest thing of all is to know yourself is the ultimate goal in life is to know how you operate, how you work, how you think, what motivates you, what drives you. And so I've spent a lot of time getting to know myself. You figure I'm in a relationship with myself for the rest of my life. I'm kind of stuck with me. Might as well learn to like myself. And through that, I was able to develop a really good sense of self-awareness in how do I come across? What's the best way to communicate to that person in their language? How can I give them the information in such a way that it's going to be digestible and understandable? What's the least common denominator between me and this Christian pastor that believes it's a sin against God to be a sex worker? Well, let's talk about the fact that back in the day, the churches actually used to run brothels and that wasn't a negative thing. Let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation and expand our horizons because I genuinely believe that everyone can learn from each other. That's true. A lot of people don't read history. They don't realize the church was involved in brothels. People Ah. don't realize that the U.S. government was involved in brothels. Holy crap. This is a crazy thing. I just recently learned during MKUltra, we apparently had sex workers on the payroll of the CIA that we were paying as part of mind control experimentation. Whoa. It doesn't surprise me at all, honestly. So... We interviewed Robert Green. We heard on Tim Ferriss's podcast that you're a Robert Green fan. Is that is Robert's work something that you've applied to this, or is it just something that you like to consume on your own personal time? And you know what? On that note, Robert wants to do a roundtable with us. Maybe we do a roundtable <laughs> with Alice and Robert. Oh my god, <gasps> that would be so fun. That'd be so cool. Oh my god, that would. Be oh fun. my god, I'd that get so fun. hard. Ugh. Oh my god, that'd be fun. Let's do a foursome with Robert. Yeah, Robert and Alice. Robert, <laughs> when you Robert, do you want to have a foursome with me, Alice and Lauren? <laughs> Open, hey. open invitation. Hey. Robert. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're a Robert Greene fan. Do you apply any of that into your work or is that more like personal stuff? Well, I started consuming his information for my just my own personal interest, but very much so I found it to be relevant. It, there's so many different things that I've learned in life that ended up being tangentially related to sex work. For example, some of the things that I learned as an EMT ended up relating to my job here as a sex worker. And I think that being 
a good business person is taking concepts and ideas from one sector of society and then applying it to something else. And if you're able to do that and completely shake things up, you've got something really cool going on. I completely agree with you. That sounds like you. So before before we wrap up, but there's one thing that, I mean, you're such an expert, you're such an educator for men and women out there that want to improve their sex life. And it's funny, Weston and I and Laura talk about this all the time. There's so many people focused on every aspect, their business aspect, their, their health aspect, their fitness aspect of their life. They're trying to improve all these areas, but there's very little thought into actually improving sex and their sex lives and their skill in the bedroom. For men and women listening, is there any tangible takeaways that you could provide to help improve their sex lives to be better at sex? Oh, yes. And it's a really easy one, too. The easiest way to improve your intimacy in the bedroom is to open up the lines of communication before the sexual experience actually begins. It starts with a conversation with your partner where you let them know, hey, I want to have sex, but I want to tell you what it is I like. I want you to go down on me and then I'm going to walk you through exactly what it is that I enjoy. A little bit more to the left, a little up, right there. Yes, that's perfect. Yes, I enjoy that so much right there. And giving that feedback and creating an opportunity for that conversation to happen in the middle of intimate sex is really powerful because when you're able to give your partner feedback in that moment, it actually changes your sex life because you're not just doing actions hoping that you're pleasing your partner. You actually know when you're doing something that feels good. I mean, nobody should need to fake an orgasm. That's ridiculous. Why not empower your partner to tell you how to give you that orgasm? And communication in the bedroom is really, really scary for most people. So I encourage people to start that conversation before getting intimate. Maybe have a conversation over dinner, over a glass of wine even, where you're just like, hey, you know, I heard this podcast and you can even use me as the excuse. Be like, hey, Alice Little told me that I should talk to you during sex, so we're going to try that tonight. So that's what I always encourage people to do, to level up their sex life, start talking during sex, communicate. It's a conversation. It goes both ways. You want to know that you're actually pleasing your partner. I, I always say like put this podcast on where you're doing your makeup and like turn it up really loud for your husband to hear. When there's something I want, I like put it really, really loud and, and just casually listen to it. So Michael's manipulated into hearing it. Guys sometimes aren't the best at taking a hint. And yeah, so don't say. Sometimes you oh. need to be very direct. <laughs> There's some really great books out there that you may choose to have. For example, there's um, this awesome cunning lingus guide that is just absolutely killer. It's like Guide to Cunning Lingus. You could just buy that book and then just you could casually buy it. ship <coughs> it. Michael, well. I'll have our team link that in the Your show notes. Your stocking stuffer is the Guide to Cunning Lingus. Okay, that's what I'll get. Thank you for the recommendation. And I know you have, you are a big reader. What other books could you recommend to Book, our audience? Book, podcast, resource. It doesn't need to be on sex. It can be on anything. Oh, God, there's so many good books. Oh, no. You could do a podcast, a resource. It can be even, it could be a website, just something that you think would provide value to our audience in any way. It doesn't have to do with just sex. Ooh, goodness. Or it could have to do with sex because we love there all sex. There is this really interesting book called Buzz that is a it's a history of sex toys but it kind of walks you through 
what the sexual attitudes were throughout history through sex toys. Like, what were the concerns? Like, the first vibrator back in the day was used to treat female hysteria, believe it or not. So there's these interesting sections and you realize, well, we thought that women who had sex needs were hysterical and belonged in mental institutions back in the day. And I think it's really interesting to get that like sense of historical attitudes around sex and sexuality. And that book just did a really good job of doing so, probably more so than any other sex history book I've come across. Next time when my cortisol's rising, because it happens and I get hysterical, get me my pink vibrator. You got it. And make sure you're reading the guide to cunnilingus. I will. That's a good one. Any... Where do we find you? Pimp yourself out. Well, before that, any words of wisdom, any thoughts, anything you want to leave our audience with before we wrap this up? Sex is normal. Sex is natural. And sex is healthy. Guess what? Two people had sex and you were born. Sex happens. Talk about it. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And when we start removing the stigma around sex, that's when you're going to start improving your sex life and really coming to your own. Alice Little, I have massive, massive respect for you. I follow you on Instagram. Where can everyone find you so they can follow you too? Say your website. Give us all the deets. Yes, you can find me on Instagram at the Alice Little Official. On Twitter at the Alice Little. I am also Alice Little on Facebook. You can find my website thealicelittle.com, and I do have a podcast as well called Wing Woman Podcast. Plus, I do have a YouTube channel, Alice Little TV on YouTube. Alice, thank you for bringing us to, to the, the Bunny, Bunny Ranch. Ranch, and it's at the Bunny Ranch on Insta. It is. At Bunny Ranch is our Instagram account for the Bunny Ranch if you want to follow all the ladies and see all of the amazing things that we have going on. And I am going to go walk around and do a Bunny Ranch tour on Instagram stories. I will save them on my highlights under BTS so you guys can watch it. Not BDSM, BTS. I'll tell you this. <laughs> as a little, as a young man, 12, 13 years old, when I saw the cat, was it called the cat house? Is that what they used to call it? It was, the it HBO was. cat house. Yeah, but it was here. What I were never... you do- beating your meat to the cat house on HBO? <laughs> Listen, we didn't have a lot of materials back then. I told you, internet was it, <laughs> dial-up cassettes. It was a lot. It was you know. And like, let's be real. Like HBO back in the they, day was very, some... very cutting edge. They were very forward about showing that sex. I'm telling I you, like I would it. go there. I'll just be cat house would come on, and um, back then I never thought that by that I would be here doing this. So life takes some weird turns. Thank you for thank you for doing this. Thank you for having us. Really appreciate it, and um, I think our audience will too. Yeah. Thank oh, you for coming and in. if anyone has questions, email me, yes. alicelittle at bunnyranch.com. I want to be a resource for you. If you have any questions Amazing. at all about sex, about sex work, about the Bunny Ranch, about what it's like to be a sex worker, email me. I'd love to talk to you and share my thoughts. Hey guys, we hope you loved that episode. I know I learned so much from Alice. I find her so interesting. I hope that this episode opened people's perspective and eyes to a different way of living. Uh, make sure you're following Alice on Instagram. It's the Alice Little Official. And then, as always, tell us your favorite part of this episode on my latest Instagram at the Skinny Confidential, and we'll send a bunch of you hot pink Barbie Skinny Confidential pop sockets.
This episode was brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is your one-stop shop for high-end, high-quality, and highly discounted groceries, supplements, beauty products, household supplies. Thrive Market guarantees its customers 25 to 50% below retail on all items because it cuts out the middleman. Go to thrivemarket.com skinny for 25% off your first order and free shipping. Again, that's thrivemarket.com skinny for 25% off your first order and free shipping. And when you do that, you'll also be taking the Lauren's page so you see everything she just talked about. 